Right, First Peter chapter 5, we shall read from verses 1 to 5 together, reading. The elders which are among you, I exhort, who am also an elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, and also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. Feed the flock of God, which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind, neither as being lords over God's heritage, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd shall appear, ye shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another, and be clothed with humility. For God resisteth the proud, and giveth grace to the humble. May God bless the reading of his word. Let us all turn to God in prayer. Let us pray. Our gracious, loving Heavenly Father, we thank you for gathering, gathering us back into thy house. Lord, we pray that you cleanse us and wash us thoroughly of all our sins. We plead that you would be merciful, Lord, to visit us with the understanding of your word. May your Holy Spirit work in every heart. And we pray that you, Lord, remove every distracting thoughts, every wandering thought. Lord, help us not just to understand your word, but use it, O God, to establish our hearts, our convictions, and build a strong church that would do your work on earth as it ought to. And we pray that through it, thy people, Lord, would benefit um, from its spiritual use of the church, and they will also respond rightly. We pray for the DHW um, students upstairs. May you likewise be with them and bless them, Lord, with um, the knowledge of your word and with obedience of heart. So be with us tonight, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, do not forget this. Um, chapters have been about the strangers and pilgrim on earth, all right? So Peter emphasizes and reminds all of us, God uses him to paint the picture that as Christians on earth, we are strangers and pilgrims. The Christian must not view this world as our home. We must not view this world as a place that is so comfortable, we want to live here forever. And Lord, please don't come back so soon. We want to enjoy our lives more. We must not view this world as a place where we are so occupied with, well, the necessities of life even. But strangers and pilgrims are very clear. They do not rest. They just plod on because they have a destination that they want to arrive at. They are very clear in their hearts and mind and they are not comfortable, all right, where they are until they arrive at their destination, and the Christian's destination is heaven, to be in the Lord's presence, to worship Him and serve Him for eternity. So the Christian must always have that attitude in our hearts, always feeling not at home in this world. You go to school, you go to work, you sit in your home, you do things in your home, you always feel this is temporary. This is a place where I, while passing through, I have certain things to achieve, all right? So it's not just moving on and, Lord, I'm looking forward to heaven. The stranger and pilgrim on, its, 
on its journey are given task, are given task, and also told and reminded. And here the great theme throughout chapter um, two, three, four, and even now five is one big word that starts with S. The strangers and pilgrim must learn this attitude. S submission, submission. If you look at chapter five, you will also see submission. All right, verse five: Ye youngest, submit, submit. So this theme of submission in a believer's life is constant. Submission to God when God tells you to submit. All right, I want to emphasize that the stranger and the stranger and pilgrim on earth, they have a master. They are on. They are ambassadors doing something. And one of the attitude that the master expects, submission. I tell you to submit to government. You submit to the government. I tell you to submit to um, your your employers. You submit. I su tell you to submit to your own husbands. You submit. I tell you to submit um, to um, the church. Now that we're going to learn about that, you must also submit. So it's always this recurring theme: submission. Now, the Christian in our journey must know when we resist submission, you can basically say this, in a country, under government, in my school, under, under um, school authorities, in my workplace, under bosses, in my home, under God-appointed leadership, in the church. As long as you don't learn submission, you are basically going to be a stranger and pilgrim on earth that is not going to be used by God. You are going to be a stranger and pilgrim on earth that will suffer yourself. And you will eventually fall. Now, you must realize three, or I would say one, two, three, four chapters. Four chapters in one book. Of course, there are no chapters in the Bible, right? But Four-fifths, quite equally divided, it looks. Four-fifths of a letter is written about submission. The Christian must then realize, if we have what we've been learning in prayer meeting, hadiness, high-mindedness, which is the characteristic of the perilous times we live in. Hadiness, high-mindedness, goes directly against submission. It, the characteristic of submission is so big a part of the strangers and pilgrims' life, you'll be destroyed by heediness and high-mindedness. Now, this is one area that Christians find very difficult because we are conditioned by the world all the time. And the generations after generations, it becomes more and more difficult to be a submissive person. Because of that, Families are always in chaos. Church is always weak. That is the key aim of Satan. Now, then we come to this part where after he keeps talking about submission, submission, then in chapter 4, all right, chapter 4, you will notice that in chapter 4, he moves from submission to government to bosses to family to um, then now he moves to God. In chapter 4, is submission to God. Chapter 4 is very strong on emphasis on the sufferings of the Christian on earth. 
Alright? So, you must see the trend of the book. Alright? We're coming to the end of the book. So, you must see the trend. Now, after talking about submission to people, then he comes to submission to God. Now, even if God allows, and it is his will and his pleasure to allow great suffering. Look at chapter 4, verse 19. <clears throat> Therefore, let them that suffer according to the will of God. Now, the will of God. Now, if God ordains that you suffer, whether it's persecution for people, whether it's persecution from illnesses, whether it's persecution from um, whatever it is, if God so wills, then commit your souls to God's keeping. Means submit to God. Don't fight against Him. Just hand your soul over to God and say, God, you, you take over my life. I don't like this, but I will just commit my life to you. Submission. Whatever God that God has not ordained for your life, whether it's um, um, some challenge in your personal life, whether it's singlehood, whether it's um, family problems, difficulty, a difficult, um, a special child, whatever it is. Now, after that, now he begins to come back to submission. And one of the things that he will now start to deal with in chapter 5, you will read, you will learn. Now he comes to the church. He dealt with government. He dealt with bosses. He dealt with employees, I mean, he dealt with um, family. Then he talked about God. Then now he comes to the church, comes to the church. Now, before he deals with the church, he sets up also those who will be leaders in the church. They must also submit to God. Then he talks about the congregation submitting to the church leaders. All right? So you see the picture? Submission in the secular realm, family realm, to God. And then now, the, the leaders in the church, submission to God. And then the people submit to the church leaders which God appoints. Now, that completes the strangers and pilgrims picture on earth. When the stranger and pilgrim realize that it is through the church that God will lead you, will teach you, will feed you, will protect you, where you will serve Him in as a stranger and pilgrim. When you realize that that is how God works, and you see that in the New Testament Scriptures. Now then, this closing part about submission of the leaders of the church to God and the people to the leaders that God appoint over them as strangers and pilgrims. All right? That is what is going to complete um, your understanding and your walk on earth. Dealing with submission, submission to the church <clears throat> is one of the difficult ones especially for the strangers and pilgrims in Peter's time. They are suffering greatly, all right? Dealing with submission to a terrible government is, is bad enough. Dealing with a submission to, to slave, um, slave drivers, bad masters, is difficult, terribly difficult. Submission to an unbelieving husband, well, you know, in all this submission, God never expects you to submit in anything that is sinful, right? 
submission to an unbelieving husband. Now, he dealt with the very difficult um, situations in life. But now, to deal with submission to church leaders is even more difficult. He left it to the last. Ask yourself why. Why? Because you see, to the worshippers then, they say, of all the people, of all the people, well, um, government may not understand us. Um, um, bad masters may not understand us or care. Unbelieving husbands may not love us or, or bother. But, but church, church, you should be understanding. You should be nice to me and give me what I want and, and, not, and not make my life more difficult. You know how difficult it is under such a master, under such a husband already. And you still want to tell me what to do? Of all the people, you leaders will be the last people I want to, I have to worry about submission. Do you understand why this is last? Do you understand why this is last? Because who will tell you to submit to the government, the church, the leaders? This is written to them to, to, to read to the people. The church leaders will tell you submission to the government, submission to masters, submission to husbands. It is they who will tell you. Now, if you do not submit to the elders, you will not want to walk the strangers and pilgrims' life because many things will be told to you. God will use the elders to tell you. And if you don't submit to the elders, then everything else will be will be just um, win by your year. You're not interested. All right? So I want to set the context. I need to set the context as we come to the end of this chapter. Everything else that you learn and will continue to learn as a stranger and pilgrim will be through the elders of the church. Now, I want to say that because of two reasons. The first reason is, then therefore... The leaders of the church must really know God's expectation of them. I want to say that again. The first reason, the church leaders must really know God's expectation of them. Otherwise, they will fail. Because the strangers and pilgrims, the guiding of the strangers and pilgrims' life on earth will be through the church. And it will be through the elders of the church. If you look if you look at chapter 5, verse 1, the elders which are among you, I exhort. I exhort. Now, why at this point would Peter say that? He said, now, I have told the people how to live and moving forward, how they must live as strangers and pilgrims, I need you to know. I need you to lead them. I need you to lead them. That is why in chapter 4, uh, chapter 5, um, verse Verse 2, feed the flock. You are under shepherds of the flock. You are guiding and leading the strangers and pilgrims. That is the first reason. Now, the second reason is found in verse 5. Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Right? Now, here is to then tell the... Now, younger means those that are not appointed as the mature leadership of the church. They're not appointed as the mature leadership of the church. 
Now then they say, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. The only way your life is protected, guided, that's why he used the word feed, the flock. You are the flock. The shepherds, these under shepherds are to protect you, guide you. And if you find that I, I don't like to listen to anyone telling me what to do, I don't like to be told, Haiti high-mindedness, I don't need to be told. Who are they to tell me? Ah, that is the one. Who are they to tell me? When these two things don't work, when the elders, the leaders of the church do not understand their role, they will fail those that want to be led. When, those, when the elders fulfill their duties, but the flock, you, do not want to be led, you will go astray. All right, so that is the picture. I hope you understand what I've been saying. Then now we start from chapter 5, verses 1 to 4. What are the elders to do? Now this begins, chapter 5, verse 1, the elders which are among you, I exhort, meaning to say, I am giving you instructions, elders. I, the apostle, who is also an elder. You see, look at chapter 5, verse 1, who am also an elder. Now he's saying, I am an apostle given the word of God to tell you what to do. So even the elders are also being under-shepherded by Peter. They are being told how, what to do, how to live, what to do. So they must submit. He's telling the elders now, I exhort you means I'm telling you, you've got to submit to these things that God has given me to exhort you with. But Peter himself said, who am also an elder. Meaning to say, Peter is saying, I'm also subjecting myself to these same expectations. Because these expectations are from God. So I submit myself just like you. So don't, don't think that I'm trying to, trying to tell you what to do, but not do it myself. I am also an elder. I will also live by this. So elders, submit to what I am going to say next. Because you are supposed to feed you're supposed to feed this flock who are a flock of strangers and pilgrims on earth. All right? Now, then first and foremost, well, by the way, actually, when Peter says, the elders which are among you, I exhort, who am also an elder. Now, what is Peter, or I put it this way, is the other Roman Catholics correct that Peter is the um, top man, all right? That he is the vicar on earth, that he is um, the, the one at the top where everyone must listen to? Of course not, because he claimed himself to be just part of the elders, part of them. He did not say, I am Peter the rock upon which the church was built. And then all of you are supposed to listen to me. Now, if he didn't add who I exhort you, if he didn't add whom, who am also an elder himself, then yes, you can claim that. So this verse itself tells you that the Roman Catholics claim that Peter is the Pope, was the first Pope. It's very wrong, all right? Now, so that is aside. But first and foremost, we got to learn these terms, all right? So, what are elders, all right? 
what are the categories of elders in the church. So you have to say then, well, God has ordained the church and the ordained elders in the church to lead the church. Well, what, what are elders in the scriptures? First, you've got to understand that. I know many of you are aware of question one, but we must keep reminding ourselves and some are new and some uh, do not know. Now, what are the different categories of elders in a church from Scripture? Because here, Peter said, the elders which are among you, I exhort. Now, so, who are the el- what are elders in the, in the church? How many kinds of elders? All right, very quickly. Um, Kelvin, how many kinds of elders are there? Don't tell me good and bad elders, right? I mean, the scripture description of categories. Two kinds. What are the two? Teaching elder and bishops. Not so accurate. All right, try Nathan. Well, so one is um, a teaching elder, one is administrative elder. All right, it categorizes that. Um, okay. Yeah, administration, administrative elder. Now, last one, Benedict. Ruling elders, all right? So, uh, good, better, best, all right? Now, yeah, the best word to use is ruling elder, all right? Because it's in Scripture. Now, how do you all know that? All right, so those who laugh at them, Howard, you're the first who laugh at them. How do, how, where, where in Scriptures, Howard? Where? Can't. <laughs> Say again. Timothy, all right, okay, give you, give you, that's good enough, right? Timothy, once you know the book, that's good. All right, First Timothy chapter 5. Now, how do we know that the Bible categorizes um, elders into two kinds? All right, First Timothy chapter 5. First Timothy chapter 5. Now, look at verse 17. Let's read First Timothy chapter 5, verse 17. So, after this, please know. Now, look up here for a minute, please. I want you to pay attention to this. You must be clear about these scriptural principles. We are a Presbyterian church. The word Presbyterian presbyter- comes from the Greek word presbyteros. All right? The Greek word presbyteros means elders. All right? Presbyteroi is elders. Elders. So you cannot not, not know these things if you're in a Presbyterian church. All right? So... How many kinds of elders? Now, let's read chapter 5, verse 17, reading. Let the elders that rule well be counted worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in the word and doctrine. You see, here, he said elders. The word is used generally, all right? Let the elders that rule well be, um, be counted worthy of double honor. Used generally. But then he says, especially they... Now, now he singled out a kind of elder within the general group of elders that rule, all right? And it's called the, those, the elder that labor in the word and doctrine, all right? So, look up here. Now, so the Bible talks about elders in the church, and it's clear, the Bible said, the elders that rule, all right? So, why are leaders in the church, why are the elders in the church leaders, when I say elders, I'm not talking about elderly in age, all right? This is a particular usage of the word 
that refers to ruling people, people who rule the church, okay? They are called elders. So first and foremost, you know God says, elders rule the church. Then he says, inside this group of elders that rule, that's why I say good, better, best, is are called ruling elders. Now inside them, there is a group that specifically labor in the word and doctrine. Now, clearly, that is the pastor, correct? That is the pastor. So within the rulers of the church, all are called elders. There is a particular elder who not only rules, this elder not only rules, but he also labors in the word and doctrine. All right? So when you begin to understand that, then there are these categories. The pastor is the teaching elder. I repeat. Let it draw. All right, um, come on. Right, so the church is ruled by ruling elders, and it's plural. So God says it's not one man rules the church; it is a group of men. And please know it's men. There are no feminine form of this word. All right. So when God says elders. He used only the masculine term, so there are no feminine term for elders, all right? So, it's men. Now, then in this group, in this group, one of them is not just the ruling elder, but he's also the teaching elder, all right? The TE, the teaching elder, and then you have all of them ruling elders, okay? Now, how do we get this word teaching elder all right and this is the pastor how do you know all right actually anyone which book of the bible tells you that is the teaching um the pastor is the teaching elder anyone uh alex think of gifts coming down from heaven Blank. All right. Okay. So I hope that the next time, as your pastor, when I ask you about these things, you know the books at least. You must at least know the books. Otherwise, people say, Oh, you attend a Presbyterian church. You believe in this ruling elders and then the teaching elder who is the pastor. Um, how do you come with all this? You, make, you guys made all this up. All right. We can't be that because remember in. In, we are studying First Peter, right? In First Peter, God does tell us, um, be ready to give an answer to every man. <laughs> they ask us the reason for your hope. They say, a, a, a Presbyterian so long, still do not know. All right. So, which book? Try one more time. Come on. So, someone put up your hand. I won't call names. Which book? That tells you that is a, the pastor is the teaching one. Really? Um, last one. Thomas. Titus. <laughs> Titus. Wow, okay, good, good guess, but now, turn to Ephesians. All right, from today onwards, First Timothy 5 and Ephesians, when it comes to this, this concept of church, you cannot not know, all right? Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 4. 
Verse 11. All right? Ephesians 4, 11. Reading together. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. All right? So, sounds familiar now? Sounds familiar? Okay, please remember this from now onwards. Where does the Bible say the pastor is the teaching elder? Because God says that he gave gifts to the church. And here, when you notice how accurate the KJV translators are, all right, they actually make sure you understand how the Greek is written. When you look pastors and teachers, all right, it's not pastors, comma, and teachers, but pastors and teachers. In Greek, how it is structured is pastors and teachers is very clearly indicating one and the same reference, all right? So this, this pastor is the teaching one. So it's not just pastors, comma, and then Sunday school teachers. But it's specifically to point out the pastor is the teacher in the church. Now, I'm not saying that there's no Sunday school teachers, there is no um, 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 other, other um, teachers, all right? But now the, the key role, the key gift that God gives to the church for teaching is the pastor, pastor, all right? So when you combine 1 Timothy 4, now look up here. When you combine 1 Timothy 5, sorry. When you combine 1 Timothy 5 and Ephesians 4, then you put the picture together. You get the teaching elder, which is the pastor, all right, from here. And the Bible tells us that the elders rule. So we get the ruling elders in the church. Okay, so you must be very clear about God's structure in the Bible. Please know that. And you know that the Bible does not make the pastor, the teaching elder, above everyone else. And it is a basically Episcopalian structure. It is not. It is not. All right. It is a very clear, all the elders rule together. There is one that is the teaching pastor and the top of the top here is who? Peter? No, Christ. Right? Christ. Which actually, now let's turn back to First Peter. First Peter. Now look, first we know that in the Bible, elders are the leaders, the rulers, all right? Spiritual leaders. And then look at verse 2. Verse 2. God says the leaders, in one part says rule. Now here he says feed. All right, the elders feed. Feed the flock. Now, when you see the word feed the flock, what do you think of? Shepherds, right? Shepherd. Feed the flock is shepherd, correct? Shepherding. Now, when he says elders, elders feed the flock, is he saying the elders are shepherds? No. Because look at verse 4. And when the chief shepherd, ah, the chief shepherd, who is the chief shepherd? Christ. When the chief shepherd, that is why it's like that. All right? When the chief shepherd come, then all of the elders are accountable to God. Because in verse 3, God's heritage, God's heritage, the sheep are God's heritage. So, in other words, you are accountable. The, el the church leaders are accountable for the flock, God's heritage, to the chief shepherd. Hence, very often, it is called the under-shepherd. All right? So, we shouldn't call pastors, we shouldn't call elders, shepherds. 
We should call them under shepherds. All right, there's a chief shepherd. That's why you call it under shepherd. We are under this shepherd. All right. Now there was once I was talking to an elderly lady. She used to come to our church uh, until she fell sick. Um, someone from England, right? She's an English woman and um, a very godly woman as far as I can see and understands the Presbyterian system very well. She grew up in a Presbyterian church. And uh, once I was talking to her and then, well, I used the word shepherding, all right? Shepherding. Because sometimes I use the word under-shepherd and then people don't understand what under-shepherd, what are you talking about, you know, like, like talking about some strange language, under-shepherd. So I, I just use the word shepherding without, without just passing, without to trying to help her to understand something. And then she stopped me. He said, no, under-shepherd, under-shepherd, all right? And I said, I'm so glad someone understands that term, all right? Sometimes when I use the, the term under-shepherd, people have the puzzled look and they do not know what I'm talking about. I say, I gladly use the word under-shepherd, all right? So she understands. And you must understand, as an elder of the church, you are just an under-shepherd that will be accountable to the chief shepherd when they come back. Now, at this point, I want to say this. Look at verse 5. Likewise, ye younger, submit yourself unto the elder. Now you understand that picture. Now you are the younger. means those that are not the mature um, spiritual leaders, why submit to the elders? Because they under-shepherd you for your safety, for your growth, for your correction, to help you. Now, when you see this picture, all right, then we are ready to talk about the role of the elder. Okay? Now, look at chapter 5. Look at chapter 5. Well, now we come to question 2. Describe the meanings and relationships for the terms elders and bishop, all right? So we actually haven't come to the, the elders' role yet, all right? I want us to understand all this very clearly. Describe the meanings and relationship of the terms for elders and bishops, all right? So just now, um, for example, uh, I think Kelvin mentioned um, oversee, you know, you say bishop, 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 all right? So bishop. Okay, so now, someone used the word bishop. Now, what's the difference between the bishop and the elders? Because sometimes people think, now look up here, sometimes people think there are two kinds of elders. There is the pastor and the bishops. Right, the bishops. Okay, is it true? Well, we know that definitely pastor and ruling elders. It's in Ephesians very clearly, all right? They that labor in the word and they that rule. Now, what about bishop? Because some churches, they have bishop. Now, what are bishops? Anyone want to try? What's a bishop? I ask because I hope that after that you remember. Um, uh, Jason. Say again. Bishop is a ruling elder. All right. Okay, smart boy. <laughs> yes, a bishop is a ruling elder. That's correct. Um, but why then? Why call them bishops? Why don't you just call them elders? Why call bishop? Why? Um, Richard? Well, I recall is they oversee. They oversee, all right? That's a good recollection, okay? Now, the word bishop, the word bishop, okay? The word bishop means, in fact, um, it comes from the Greek word episkopos. 
All right, episcopos. All right, episcopos. Now, from here, you can guess. Scope, scope. All right, you take a scope and you have a wide picture. All right, telescope. You get clear, close up, wide picture. So, epi is, is wide, is upon. Okay, so episcopos means over, over sight. Over sight. That is what it means. Oversight. Okay, so like uh, we can say something about overseeing, overseeing, and then uh, Kevin was thinking it's something to do with ruling, Jason ruling kind of thing. Yes, so a bishop talks of, is mentioning oversight, overseeing, overseeing. All right? Now, if you turn with me, all right, where do we get this all, all this concept from? Acts chapter 20, all right? Write this down, Acts chapter 20. Let's turn there. Acts chapter 20. So you must understand all this. Then who am I submitting to? What am I submitting to? You don't even know the terms. All right, Acts chapter 20. This is Bible study, right? So we study the Bible. Acts chapter 20. Now first, um, you know that here the Apostle Paul called for the elders, all right? Called for the elders, now, um, now, when he called for the elders, what did he say? What did he say to them? So this now, Paul is um, addressing. Look at verse seventeen. Let's read verse seventeen together. And from Miletus, he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church. So he said, "Please group all the elders of the church and meet me." Now, when he met the elders of the church, now now we look at. Um, verse verse um, 28, 28. Now, let's read together. He says this to the elders. Take heed, therefore, unto yourselves and to all the flock which the Holy Ghost have made you overseers to feed the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. Now, he says to the elders, you must take care of yourself spiritually and you must oversee the flock, oversee the flock. Now, this word oversee is where we get, look up here, is get where we get the episcopos, oversee, oversee. So, now, from there, from here, we understand, all right? We understand that elders, no, this, this diagram is not very good, all right? Elders, who were called to meet Paul, were told that they are overseers. They were told that they are overseers. Now, where does this lead us to? 1 Timothy chapter 3. All right, I draw the picture and then you, I hope you see it clearly. 1 Timothy chapter 3. Why is that the word bishop in the Bible? What does it mean? What is the correct understanding? All right, 1 Timothy Chapter 3. Now let's read chapter 3, verse 1. This is a true saying. If a man desire the office of a bishop, he desireth a good work. Now, here the word bishop. Look here. The word bishop is used, and the word bishop is the same word, come from the same root word, episcopos. Oversee is 
episkopos, from the root word. Episkopos, bishop, from the word episkopos. Now, if you are attentive, look at chapter 3, verse 1. This is a true thing. If a man desire the office of a bishop, now you piece the picture together from Scripture. What is the picture? Look up here. What is the picture from Scriptures? The Bible tells us the church is ruled by elders. And in there, one of them is called, has a role of a teaching elder. Specifically, that is his, that is his key responsibility and gift and calling. And then, now God says that when he gathered the elders, he told them to oversee the people. And in 1 Timothy 3, he calls it the office of a bishop. Now you piece the picture together. The pastor and elders, pastor and ruling elders, all right, they oversee and it is their office is called bishop. Um, clear? Clear as mud? Because <laughs> some still look confused. Maybe I put it this way. Bishop, as the Bible describes in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 1, is called the office of a bishop. When we say bishop, we are referring to the office, the, the roles and the responsibilities in this office. So can you call an elder a bishop, a pastor a bishop? Yes, you just want to call them by their office, all right? Their office, their office. But they have titles. These are the titles, a pastor, all right? Reverend so-and-so. Elder so-and-so. They have a title and they fulfill an office. Clear? From scriptures? So when you see the church, then you begin to piece this together. What are ruling, what are ruling elders? What are pastors? What are bishops? Okay? Now then when you see the... If you look at First Timothy chapter 3... All right, First Timothy chapter 3. When you put all this together, the qualifications of an elder, qualifications of an elder, then you know what is an elder, all right? So, now, I put here, elders are basically the most spiritual men in the church. Who do you choose to rule a church? You look for the man who is most spiritual because he is supposed to give oversight to a church. He's supposed to guide the church spiritually. So, what are elders? They are, from the qualifications, clearly, God says, pick those that are most spiritual among you. That's why even in, in, um, in First Peter, Peter would use the word, the elders, then he would use the word younger, the younger. All right? They are not the most spiritual yet. They are the younger in, in faith, not younger in age only, younger in faith. Therefore, the younger in, in spirituality, in faith, in walk at that stage, submit to the most spiritual in the church that have been appointed by the Holy Ghost. All right? So, now, so what are elders? They are spirit, the most spiritual men in the church, not because of their age, not because of their age, but because of their qualifications. They are also considered among all um, 
among the most spiritual, uh, most, most mature in, in thinking, all right, in guiding. When you look at the principles, you will see, all right, for example, chapter 3, verses um, 1 to 4, now, there's spirituality. Then, chapter 3, verses 4 um, to verse 7, for example, uh, 4 and 5, he's talking about the home. If he rule the home, means someone who is very wise in the way he rule. And where is the best place to assess? Is this person a wise person? Yes, he's, he's spiritual, from what we can see, but is he wise? Decision-making and, and so on, his leadership. Best place to check the home, the home, right? How does he make his family decisions? And also his spirituality there. Is he leading the family spiritually? Right? Do they look up to him as a spiritual leader? They say, no, actually, I think my wife is the spiritual, my mommy is the spiritual leader at home. Then you have a big problem. All right? Now, it's very interesting, someone, when they were, going, they were interviewing for, for church leaders, they actually interviewed the children. I thought that's a good principle. Of course, adult children, don't interview an eight-year-old kid, in a sense. Is daddy and mommy good? No. <laughs> Why? It doesn't let me eat ice cream, right? No point, okay? So, I thought it's an interesting uh, approach. Now, they, they, they are proven men, in other words, proven, not novice, not proud, all right? So, all these things, not only that, a good report from without and within. So, his, his reputation in the, in the secular world and in the church, reputation, I don't mean by, is he a doctor, is he a professional, that kind of thing, all right? What I mean is his character, so when you put all this together, people who are very rounded, not just only spiritual, but very wise, very wise in life, in, 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 in handling things, all right? very mature, very objective, and also will do what is needed because in the family, family is usually the place where you, you will let your guard down, you will, ah, I love you too much, ah, just, okay, let you do it, all right? That kind of thing. All these tests, Spiritual, all-rounded, all-rounded. So, what are elders? The most spiritually mature, um, the wise um, um, people who are able to lead, okay? Proven men, in other words. Proven men in this area. So, these are the ones, all right? Elders in here. And these people are chosen to fulfill the office of a bishop. So please don't think that in the Bible, bishop is this guy at the top. And let's, let's, let's desire to be this man at the top. Because once you see the Greek words that God used, once you see the Greek word that God used for bishop, it is elders, elders, and they were called together and told that all of them have duty over the flock. You realize it's not the top man. Do you understand what I'm saying? When you read Ephesians chapter 4, Paul is not talking about any top man among them. He called all the elders and said, all of you are responsible for the church in Ephesus, all right? Jointly, so not top men. Okay, so I hope you are clear now. Any questions so far? Yes. Deacons are office of the bishop. No, if you turn to chapter 3, chapter, 1 Timothy chapter 3. All right, look at verse 8. Now he said, likewise must the deacons. Now he called another office. All right, the first office is a bishop. 
All right? Um, then he calls out, likewise. Now he say, the, the, the bishop have their qualification. Now, likewise, when I talk about another office called the deacons, I also give the qualification. Does it answer your question? All right, good question. I'm glad you asked. Any others? Yes. Does it mean a retired elder is no longer a bishop? What do you mean by that? Oh, step down from the office. Now, yes. Would you want to call an elder who is no longer... Okay, thanks for... How to go to the next page? I forgot. Now, um, plus. Where's the plus? Next. Okay. So, an elder is a title. But an elder, when he is in session, still ruling in the session, means he stands for election and he is elected, he is a ruling elder. He rules. All right? He rules. Then, then he is also a bishop because he is in, the, he's in office. He's in office, right? He is in office. But an elder who is retired, not ruling anymore, retired, by and large, we, would, we won't call him a bishop because he is, he is not ruling, he is not in office. All right? The Bible uses this as an office. He's out of office, but typically, they retain the title. They retain the title. This is kind of a practice in Christendom, practice in Christendom, so that is what it is, all right? So there are people who are retired, who used to be an elder, people still address them as an elder. If you do address an elder, a person who is no longer in office as an elder, you are addressing them as a respectful term for they have proven themselves as truly men that are worthy of, of being called an elder over you, all right? Um, so they retain the title, people still call them that, but you know that you're not talking to them like an, someone in office, okay? So typically, that is what happens in Christianity. They retain the title out of um, respect um, for their spiritual leadership shown and proven, um, but they are no longer ruling, okay? So no lo likewise, a ruling a elder who is no longer in office should not want to rule, all right? You should not want to rule just because someone called you elder so-and-so. You should not act like a ruling elder. All right. Hope that clarifies. Answer, answer your question, um, um, Vincent? All right, okay, I've got to move. I've got to move. Now, let's turn back to First Peter chapter 5, verse 2. Now, what must the elder himself submit to God? Um, model and expectation. What are they? What must he do? Now, first and foremost, look at chapter 5. Now, actually, I should explain chapter 1 a bit, uh, verse 1 a bit. Then he said, um, who, who am also an elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ and also a partaker of the glory that shall be received. Now, what he's saying is simply that he, Peter, saw the glory of Christ. Now, you know Peter saw um, saw the tra Mount Transfiguration glory. He saw that. Now, he also know that that glory will one day be revealed fully. But he also say he is also a partake, uh, sorry, 
um, a witness of the sufferings of Christ. He also witnessed the suffering of Christ when he was on earth. Christ is the chief shepherd. He is no under shepherd, all right? Christ is the chief shepherd. But yet on earth, people did not obey him, did not want to follow him. They abused him. They bullied him. They spat on him, all right? They called him all sorts of names. So he said, I witness all that. I witness all that. Now, partly to set, to set the heart of the elders in place. All right? This is our chief shepherd. Now, he went through sufferings, but he will also have his glory revealed. And actually, look at chapter, chapter 5, verse 4. And the chief shepherd shall appear. And when the chief shepherd shall appear, ye, which is the elders, shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. Now, there is a special crown. There is a particular, specific crown that is given to the elder. If God calls a person to eldership, he must realize that. Not for pride, not for to think that just because he get a title as elder, he will receive this crown. But you must remember, the chief shepherd, before glory, there was suffering. And Peter said, I witnessed that. Don't think that just because an elder is given the title of an elder, he is going to have this crown. Only those that fulfill the elders' requirement, submit to God in these requirements, will receive this crown. Okay? Now, by the way, Peter also say, um, uh, like, move to verse 2. Verse 2. Now, what do scriptures, question number 3, what do scriptures command of elders? Sorry, command of elders, not commands. Command of elders in the church. Right? What, do they, what does God command? The second part we will learn, then therefore how we should respond, right? Now, as a worshipper, you must know. You must know. As an elder, one day if you're an elder, the elder must know, all right? The pastor himself must be clear about these things. You must know because you must know um, whether, now, I don't know, one day I die, I can't preach anymore at the time, God brings a pastor, how do you, what do you, how do you assess, all right? Many people will apply, write to you. I, I get emails all the time. People want to come to serve. Um, really ha happy to be, I remember someone came to our church, um, attended a few times, all right, this Australian guy, and start talking to people, how many Bible colleges he attended, and so on and so forth. And then was, seems very interested to come, then ask, Ask Ichung one day, you know, what does it take to be, an, to be a pastor in your church? And then Ichung like him, uh, let's talk about membership first. Uh, first, you must attend uh, at least a year or two of basic Bible knowledge to become a member. <laughs> you know, don't talk about pastor. So there are people who, who have this. They think that they have some education. They come, they say, I, I want to be your pastor. What is, what is a pastor? What is supposed to do? What about ruling elders and so on, all right? So, now let's begin. First, he says, well, the first requirement, feed. Feed the flock of God. Feed the flock of God. Now, this word feed is the word shepherding, shepherd, all right? It has the word, is the meaning of shepherd. In other words, well, she said, under shepherd, the flock of God. So, first thing you must Realize is it is the duty of the elders to under shepherd you. Means you are supposed to follow. 
Now look at verse chapter 2, verse 1, chapter 5, verse 2. Feed the flock of God. So you are the flock of God. You are to be fed. Now, look up here. There is the pastor and there is the ruling elders, all right? Now, the pastor labors in the word and doctrine. So the very clear feeding of the word is the pastor. Is the pastor. Any pastor that says, well, I only preach and teach on Sunday once a week. The others are to be done by, well, deacons or any members of the church. Fails. Any meeting that is congregation-wide, all right, unless there is a very special reason, it is the duty of the, teach, the pastor teacher to fulfill the feeding, all right? By and large, it should be that. Now then, if, what about the ruling elders? What about the ruling elders? Now, please know this word feed is shepherding, all right? Is to shepherd, shepherd. Now, if that it means, is the role of a Shepherd, just to make sure the sheep have grass to eat, that's all? What do you think? Of course not, all right? There is the feeding. Now, when we say feed, in other words, shepherd, it includes this plus. What else? Actually, what can you think of? Um, um, Jonathan. Eh, yeah, John, no, Jonathan. Eh, Jonathan. Oh, Jonathan is not well. Um, uh, let me see. Claude, what does a shepherd do? All right. To, to drive them to the right place, right? So to lead, right? To lead, um, to direct, right? To direct them to the right place, right? Sheep, okay? Um, what else? Protect, right? The shepherd role is to protect them from the wolves, from the predators, right? Protect them from danger, right? So if, if they're going to the wrong place, to shun them away. And if, if enemies come, to warn, all right? To shout at them. Sometimes he even need to, he needs to take the rod, right? That's why the Lord says, um, the, the, the psalmist says, Thy rod and thy, thy, um, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. There are two things that the shepherd holds, all right? One of it, the rod. The rod is to actually hit the sheep sometimes, all right? So there is also discipline. Discipline. Discipline, all right? Now, that's why when you read our constitution, it's very biblical. The role of this church discipline is administered only by the board, I'll call it the board of elders, all right? Only the board of elders because only they, only the elders are, are called to shepherd, including discipline, not the deacons, all right? That's why it's only administered by the elders. Now, so... So these are some of the roles that the, that the um, elders perform. 
This definitely by the pastor teacher. The pastor teacher also have to do all this. But here, the ruling elders definitely are, are expected to do this. All right? So then the um, pastor, pastor has all this. Okay? So, so please don't think chapter 5 verse 2 is referring only to the, to the pastor because it's feed. When you understand the Greek word as shepherd, then you know it includes all these other areas as well. Okay? Now, feed them, the duty, feed them with the word duty, pastor's duty. Now, what about the ruling elder? Because one of the qualifications is he must be apt to teach, right? First Timothy chapter 3, the, ruling, the bishop must be apt to teach. The overseer must be apt to teach. Now, please don't confuse that, and I've said that many times. Once you understand scriptures categories, then you must say then, well, if it's pastor teachers, then why are bishops to be apt to teach? The, word, the term apt to teach means this, not preach, right? An elder can't say, I want, to, I want to be preaching on Sundays, I want to be preaching at um, this, this um, church gathering, that church gathering, I want to be the preaching one, and please um, roster me in, all right? They are ruling elders. Apt to teach means this. Now, I ask you this. How can you lead, pro-direct, and protect, and discipline rightly? Let me ask you, how can a, a ruling elder do that? How can a bishop do that? Unless he knows the Word of God very well. All right? When he knows the Word of, word of God very well, apt to teach means, now, when people go astray, you are able to teach them, direct them to the right path. When people are confused about doctrines and they're going astray with errors, you're able to, you're apt to teach, you're able to teach them, to protect them, show them from scriptures what is wrong. When they are going, when they refuse to obey, should we discipline, is this worthy of discipline or not? You need to know the word of God. You must be able to use the word of God to teach, to discipline. All right? So when we say apt to teach, please don't say Elders in the church must go up and preach on the Lord's Day and that kind of thing. And if he fights for it, it is fine. That kind of um, thinking. Apt to teach simply means he must be someone who can shepherd well with the Word of God. Teach them what is right, what is wrong. Correct them. Be able to answer for the faith. When people say, what is, when people challenge um, the doctrines of election, of sovereignty of God, you must be able, it must be useful for that. All right? So that is why the person can be trusted. Because it's the most mature person that is in the church, spiritually, um, in the word, they are trusted. You trust them to lead the church on your behalf. Okay? Now, so, feed the flock means that. Feed the flock means that. When we come um, to question number three, what do scriptures command of elders? All right? Now, the next one, the next thing is, in fact, part of feeding, all right? Now, listen carefully, yeah? Feed is the main verb. And part of doing that, one, and another thing, the thing that he needs to do, taking oversight thereof. Oversight, here we go again. Bishoping, taking oversight. So, now, what is taking oversight? Members must understand. And elders, pastors must submit to this. It is means to have 
Uh, oversight simply w- w- for a start means God, as we read in, um, in Acts early on, God, the Holy Spirit, have made you overseers, the Holy Spirit. So God, the Holy Spirit, does take the elder, elders and put them on top. Oversight means this person is over, over things. So they are supposed to be leaders. Now, you cannot say, I, I don't want to be a leader, all right? I, I just want to be an elder. Elder means a nice person going around, smile at people, you know, have lunch with people, be nice to people. You are expected to take oversight. Hence, Paul told them, you must take oversight. You must step up to do it. So then you must... Be a hands-on person. Oversight doesn't mean that you just watch, you don't think, and then don't do. All right? Hands-on in the sense of not like a deacon where, where, where Paul says, appoint deacons to be the hands and the feet. All right? We need to have oversight. means a person that, that actually does look at things, makes himself responsible for things. Now then, you must do this. Lead them to safe pasture, protect, and all this over the people. Now then it means this, I want to say again. Hence, in, in 1 Peter, um, Peter says, Likewise, the younger ones, submit yourselves. All right? Because they are appointed by the Holy Ghost and put over you. Now what about those that are bad elders? All right? appointed by wrong means because the church doesn't understand why this person is a professional outside makes a lot of money speaks very well dressed very well let's make him an elder are you then are they oversight well when these men go oversight be oversight you will notice that the church will go haywire the church will become like the world right that's why it's important that you understand now next one Um, so this is taking oversight now the person must not be ignorant Oversight means the person must not be ignorant. The person must have an overview. He must be watching and be conscious of things. So please don't get upset when the elders are aware of some things. Why are you so busybody? It is their duty. All right? It is their duty. Now, the other thing about this is, you, but you cannot expect elders to be omniscient. Now, elder must be concerned and interested in the people's life. The elders in any area that they're in charge of must know what's happening. May not be in detail, but cannot be ignorant. But also don't expect elders to be omniscient. You know, some, some members, they get very angry at elders. You're elders, you know, you're supposed to be oversight over us. You're supposed to watch over us. My, 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 my daughter went astray, you know. And if the, if the child hardly comes to church, if the child hardly um, is, 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 is present, I don't care, you are elder, you're supposed to know all these things. And sometimes people expect, you know, I was sick, you know, and then you didn't even call me. Then elders say, but I didn't know. You are elder, you're supposed to be under-shepherding us. I'm a sick ship and you don't even know, all right? You know, some people, you ask them to share prayer requests. They say, no, 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 don't share. I don't, I don't like sharing. Don't ask anyone to pray for me. Don't want anyone to know anything. And then when they're sick, they don't even want to tell you. They keep so secret, but they get angry. So 
you can't go to the extreme. Oversight doesn't mean he's omniscient. Okay? But the elder must not be someone who really don't, who don't care and then just leave things and ignorant of things because he can't be bothered. Now, next one about oversight. Now, he is then expected to supervise the church. The word oversight is not just to keep watching. It's the meaning of to do something about it. So, again, the elders must take leadership to make things happen. But, and therefore people must follow, all right? So, all this thing about oversight, oversight. So, in other words, an elder must not just want a title. I've seen people who want to be an elder so much. And then when they become an elder, wow, you see the family celebrate, and then they, oh, yes, my, my husband is an elder, that kind of thing. Um, they want the title, but they will do none of the roles. They won't step up to these roles. They say, I get the title, I'm happy. Then they walk around with, with a happy feeling or with a proud feeling of an elder of the church, you know. My husband, yeah, uh, my dad is an elder, that kind of thing. But that's has no oversight, no ignorance of the church. You ask them about this, about that in church, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. How about this? I don't know. What about this? I don't know. Everything, I don't know, all right? So it must not be that. Basically, you just imagine a boss put over the company and he keeps saying that. Now, next one. Okay, next one is, look at chapter, two, chapter 5. Not by constraint, but willingly. What is constraint? means... Um, because of some external condition, because of um, being forced to, something being imposed on the person, and then they say, ah, yeah, no choice, ah, okay, I have to be an elder. All right? God says, it must not be that. It must be something that you know you're called to. All right? That's why they're ordained, and it's for life. They're called to. They know in their heart, it's called to. Not out of pride. Not necessity means... I have no choice, you know, the church needs an elder. Or, or, or I know, um, so-and-so keep, keep pestering me to be an elder. Or worse is this. Some people become elders, or, or deacons for that matter, because they fell sick. They fell sick and they say, God, I promise you, if you heal me, I will become an elder for you, or a deacon for you. Not by, not by these things, all right? So it's not because you're coerced into it, but willingly. What is willingly? Voluntarily. You search and say, Lord, you know, have you called me to this office? I may desire, I may not desire the office, but you search and God makes it clear. Same for the pastor who is a teaching elder. Right? We don't just get anyone who says, I, I want to be a pastor and then appoint them to be a pastor and get a PR for them. To be a pastor, to be a partner in Australia, are they really called? So they must be called to this office. The person must know he's called. Um, and therefore, he willingly say, "Lord, willingly." Sometimes may not mean we are very um, keen on it at first. Very often, when I hear testimonies of people who are called to be a be a pastor, actually, I remember when I start the term and I hear those calling. Sometimes it's almost like you know who is not going to make it. I'm not saying this is, this is biblical truth, eh? but by and large, those that struggle with it, they, 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 know they, are, they know it's a very high calling and they, they're afraid of it. They're also, they are, they are, they are, 
um, in a sense, unwilling as well in the heart to fulfill that because they don't know whether they can. Um, usually those are the ones that are genuine. <laughs> but like I said, it's not biblical truth. Right? But that is not forced, not forced. In his heart, he knows and he will go. That's why I say, but willingly, but willingly, all right? Of one's accord and calling. Of one's accord and calling. Now, next one, okay? Next one. Um, not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind. What is not for filthy lucre? Means not to, not to gain personal, not to have personal gain, whether it's monetary, whether it's praise of men, okay? Not for that kind of thing. Filthy means... Um, out of some lust. There are many people who lust to be elders um, because they, they want the, the, uh, the title, they want the applause, they go around visiting churches, um, I'm elder so-and-so, that kind of thing. They want this filthy looker, all right? Not for that. So you must be careful. Um, um, and those who are elders must be very careful of this. Okay, so now, now this, where am I? All right, not for filthy lucre. Now, a pastor who ever says this, you know, you must pay me this minimum amount. If, if you can't pay me this minimum amount that I'm asking for, it's like he's asking price, um, then I won't come. All right, you may sound shocked, but people say that. All right, before they... They're invited for a church and they say, can you pay me this amount? If, if not, um, maybe another church has offered him that amount. Filthy lucre. They go by how much they get. Then they will join which church. I've, I know personally of pastors who skip from one church to another. All right? Wherever the money leads, wherever the bigger congregation are, that's another filthy lucre. Wherever the bigger congregation is, they just keep moving. Or what kind of people are in that congregation? Ah, you know, this congregation currently are all, maybe all um, um, maids, uh, all uh, poor people, or lowly society. They will wait and slowly, well, go to another church where there are more professionals and go to another country, right, where it's more respectable. Filthy looker, right? So, well, the church must realize if any time um, a pastor says, um, without this amount, I won't come. How many people are there? Oh, the fellowship group is too small. I don't preach at this kind of fellowship group, all right? Don't ask me to be the teacher. Just get a deacon, just get an ordinary person to do it. Don't ask me to do it. Let them do all the work. Because it's too small. And these are children. These are teens, all right? I'm, I'm too high for that. That is filthy lucre. Understand that. Right? Likewise, for, for an elder, oh, this church is poor, this church is small, this church do not have so many uh, different kind of people that I like to rub shoulders with, then, well, I'm not interested to, to be an elder in this church. All that kind of description. Now, of course, a church, there's the opposite also. God makes it clear that they must, right? They must um, not muzzle the ox. Ox, don't take this and after that, the next pastor will say, we are going to pay you below minimum wage and if you don't come, then oh, you're working for filthy lucre. People need to take care of their families, all right? So we must not go to the extreme. But basically, yes, for the elder, the teaching pastor, he must be careful. He must be careful. Now, next one. Then he says, um, but of a ready mind, of a ready mind. Now, what does that tell us? A ready mind 
simply means this, eager. Eager. So I'm, if even there is no money involved, now actually I want to say this about filthy lucre. Very often, those that serve in church, they, they almost feel like, well, actually I lose money, right? I lose money. I have to give up many things. And sometimes, well, time is money and, and involves some of their own expenses. I say, I, I don't think of what I will gain in terms of, of praise, in terms of uh, possessions, in terms of money. I don't think about all this. I'm eager. means I have a concern for the kingdom of God. I have a concern for the kingdom of God. As a result, I have a concern for the sheep. I have a concern for this church that God has placed me in. I'm concerned about its future, how, it, how God will use it. So I'm concerned about these things. I don't even think of what, what, what price I have to pay. But my heart is burdened for the Lord's work and therefore for the Lord's people. Now, actually, anyone who wants to be serving God must get the priorities right. It's good to be burdened for the people, all right? But you must be burdened for the people because of the Lord's work, God's kingdom. If you're simply burdened for the people, you will end up pleasing people. You must understand that. That is why in verse 2, the flock of God, feed the flock of God. You must be more concerned about God's kingdom. This flock, to bring this flock where God's kingdom is meant to go and to do. Alright, so, eagerness. Now, it also means um, not dragging the feet, but there is, there is a attentiveness not dragging the feet. Now, if, if uh, people need to be constantly persuaded, begged, pleaded with, threatened um, to do things, then however they say, well, I'm called to be an elder, can't be true. All right? So the elder must be ready to, to, to labor because he, he has a love, a love for God's kingdom. God will place that in the person. Right, he'll be concerned. You know why that is important? If you look at this picture, if it is not willing and a ready mind, when the person sees, uh, looks like the church is going in the wrong direction. Looks like the board, looks like the board, they wanted to do something, but I don't think it's spiritually a good direction. Unless a person has a ready mind, has a willingness, has a concern for God's kingdom and God's church, he won't talk. He won't stand and say, I think we need to reconsider this. Maybe we should look at this. He won't do that, all right? Why would he want to lead? Let the church go whatever direction. Let the people do whatever they want. Why do I care? All right? So that is what it means. There is, there is a care in the heart. That is why there is a willingness. There is a readiness of mind. That doesn't mean it's easy. I will tell you that um, for many months, all right, for many months, Chapter 5, verse 2 has been my encouragement, my rebuke even, but of a ready mind. Sometimes you're so overloaded, you already have so little sleep, and you struggle. But of a ready mind often rebukes me, means no, there should not be unwillingness murmuring, there should be a readiness of mind. Let's do it. You know, let's do more. Let's, let's solve this. All right? And I want to teach more. I want to make this clearer, right? So, so that must be the elder, the elder. Then finally, verse 4, 
um, verse 3, neither being lords over God's heritage. Neither being lords over God's heritage. Now, there are two reminders here. Not being lord over means you do not abuse. Do not abuse the people. You know, at those days, the lords, they treat the people as slaves. Right? means you do you do things for me, right? So the elders, the pastor is always, always everything is for God. It's not for me. Now, if you get a pastor or elder that, that expects, you know, I'm an elder, huh? so I expect to sit down and then you serve me um, food at Seniors Fellowship, and then I'm an elder, you know, um, so if I need to go somewhere, I just pick up the phone. Uh, can you come and pick me, um, my family, to go this place? We need to buy this, that kind of thing. Then you know this is lording over. Right? So everything that the elder, the pastor does must be always for the Lord. Yes, we will ask people to do things, but it's never for our own benefit, never for the benefit of our self or our families. Right? So that is the elder. Sometimes people, elders, they lord over, means they want to make sure it, it carries on in their family. All right? So I am an elder. I want to make sure that my sons are elders. I want to make my sons-in-laws are elders because I want to be lord. Right? I would say that empire. So be careful of such attitude in, in who you choose and what you do. Now, then also means um, heritage. The second reminder is this is not your flock. Heritage means stewardship. I am accountable. So now Paul move, uh, Peter moves to something that awakens the soul of the elders at that time. This is God's heritage. This is God. He first uses the word God's flock. Means lives are involved. Then he uses heritage. Means God's purposes are involved. God intend for this flock to achieve certain things for his purposes, his heritage. Now then, the the instead, verse 3, be examples to the flock. So the elder must be spiritual examples not tell people to live certain way do certain things but he doesn't do it he doesn't expect his family to do it but he basically said do what i say but don't do what i do all right so be examples examples that is where you are you know whether the person is an elder quality right they they live their lives um, because they believe that is how it ought to be lived not because I want to be an elder. That's why I leave it like that. Okay? So examples, very important. That is why they're the best leaders to follow. Now then finally, in verse 4, and the chief shepherd shall appear, and when the chief shepherd shall appear, now to encourage the elders. After telling them, you submit to all these expectations of God. It's very heavy. It's very scary. All right? It's, it's very um, difficult for the rest of my life. Now he encourages them, when the chief shepherd appear. You are under shepherd. When your chief shepherd appear, ye shall receive a crown, of a crown of glory that fadeth not away. Not just a crown of glory, but fadeth not away. Now there is an eternal um, a crown, right? Actually, if you study about crowns in the Bible, different kinds of crown, different for different believers, different work. But here, there is one for the elders. If you are truly an under-shepherd. Right? So, it's to motivate them, encourage them, 
um, and at the same time warn them there is accountability when it comes. What will it be? Lord, I failed your heritage. So the, don't be an elder. Don't be an elder if you don't intend in your heart by the grace of God. No one can fulfill it 100%, all right? No one can be perfect. They say, Lord, when I meet you, I want to hand this heritage in my hand and know that I have not failed you by your grace. When you helped me, I followed you. But if you want a title, if you want um, um, praise of men, and that is all, then on that day, the accountability is very great. Very, very great. All right? So, likewise, is the reward very great. Now, so these are some things that we want to learn about the elders. And next week, we'll come back to learn the rest about them. Therefore, verse 5. Let us pray.